Make March Madness a moneymaker with MyBookie. Getting started is easy. Visit MyBookie online and use promo code ZABE to receive a deposit bonus up to $1,000. Grab your extra funds now and for a limited time, claim a free entry into the $150,000 MyBookie Madness Bracket Contest for a chance at the big money. If you're the type of guy who likes to fill out multiple brackets to get an advantage, you can do that too. The price of entry is less than an Uber, all for a shot at life-changing amounts of moolah. With so many brands to choose from, you need a platform that makes it simple to bet and simple to win and simple to get paid, like MyBookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. You've heard me talk about Tacovas, the company carrying on all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots. Well, longtime listener Jeremy emailed me to say, Zabe, I was on a work trip to Austin, knew about Tacovas from the podcast, stopped into the store. Next thing you know, I've got a damn good pair of boots and I'm looking sharp with a nice buzz to boot. Giddy up. Tacovas believes in Western for all. And you can feel that when you stop in one of their stores and get custom fitted for a new pair of boots. If you can't make it into the store, Tacovas delivers the most premium quality and the most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit Tacovas.com. That's T E C O V A S.com and point your toes west. And as a special opportunity for our listeners, Tacovas has said they will throw in one of their best selling trucker hats or ball caps for free into any minimum purchase of $100 at Tacovas.com. Just use promo code ZABE. That's promo code Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo at checkout. It's a $30 value and they sell out fast. Only at Tacovas.com. Today on the ZabeCast, former MEAC official Ron Taylor, who learned under the great ladies' man, Jerome Boger. We talk about the calls from Sunday and what frustrates him most as an ex-zebra. Is it possible Tony Romo has already jumped the shark and is about to hit water? All that plus the end is near. Maybe. Your uncensored, unfiltered 45-minute joyride of pure Zabe is locked and loaded. So buckle up and let's go! (laughs) Here we go! For 45 yards! All the way, it's good! Cincinnati with an unbelievable season, 10 straight wins. Tuesday, January 31st, 2023. Thank you for downloading. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a Romo problem. You might say, what do you mean we have a Romo problem? I thought you liked Romo, Zabe. Yes, the problem is. I think I may be out on Tony Romo. That's it, Jerry. Out. I began to notice more and more as I listened more critically just how bad he can be. Did you hear that, by the way? That was disgusting. I apologize for that if you heard that. See, this is the downside of providing you the best quality of audio I can possibly deliver with the best equipment, with the roadcaster and the 
uh, processing on it and the uh, Sennheiser RE27 microphone that I stole from the radio station I used to work at, well, let's just say I took it home with me and never returned it. And then the station got sold and they don't know where the fuck all their equipment is. So yay, $480 mic to me. I That was my stomach that I just ate dinner. It went, okay, let's not dwell on that. Let's move. Let's move forward. Shall we? The problem is Romo. I now I can see it now. The, the light has gone off in my eyes and I'm like, God damn, is he bad all over the place. And at times totally not understanding of the actual situation in the game. For example, the last Joe Burrow pick in the game was essentially a really good punt. It was a long pass. I got picked off on a deflection, I believe. And then the guy was tackled at like the 15. I'm like, all right, well, that was third and whatever. He went deep. They didn't get it. Got picked. Good as a punt. We're, we're you know, Chiefs are back in business, but the Bengals should not be totally devastated by this. Romo was through the roof. Like, oh my God, this is the great thing, Jim. Oh my God. And then as you heard in that highlight of the final kick, what is that, Romo? So in other words, the Chiefs have just stuck the dagger in. You can't say the Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl because there was three seconds left. But why did Nance abdicate the second part after the pause to let the crowd soak in. Why did he abdicate abdicate that role of providing a secondary headline? Such as, you know, Butker from 45, it's all the way, and it is good. Lay out for eight seconds, then you come with a secondary headline. A year ago, it was McPherson who did it to them. This year, Butker has returned the favor. Instead, you got Romo jumping in, and he starts in with the with the Bengals. The Bengals had a great season. They won 10 in a row. No, 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 no. This is the Chiefs moment, you dipwad. Oh, God, I, I just, I've gotten to the point where I'm like, okay, I see it now. Joey Molinaro, comedian on Twitter and social media, does a number of good impressions. Uh, Nick Saban, that is absolutely outstanding. Had this little video on TikTok and uh, can't say he's wrong exactly. Going deep here, and Cincinnati says, so Kansas City's thinking, hey, we're going deep here. And Cincinnati says, well, they're going to think, well, here, uh, are we going to? Uh, going to be pretty, pretty tough. And, and Mahomes says, well, oh. Hey, that's tough. He wants that one back, Jim. So he's bringing these two crossers, okay? And then Philadelphia's saying, well, uh, man, here we go, Jim. Oh, this place is rocking, Jim. So he's looking. He sees the defender, and he's going to say, oh, I see you there, little guy. I see you there. I'm going to try to tip tap the toe around, Jim. I'm going to try to tip tap the toe. Uh, and then, oh. I mean, you got Allen, you got Mahomes, you got Burrow. I mean, Allen, Mahomes, Burrow, Mahomes. And what Mahomes, oh, Allen, whoa. Josh Allen, whoa. So Kansas City's seen his foot, right? And then there's, he's reaching, and he's, he, he's 
Not bad, but that's not far off when it comes down to it. Now, the guy that was the first to sound the alarm on Roma was the great Uncle Brent himself. On VSIN, when he had just started at VSIN, Roma had just started as an analyst and was this great sensation because not only did he bring enthusiasm and all shucksism and a totally different vibe to the traditional color play-by-play guy. He uh, also was able to call ahead of time a number of plays. And Uncle Brent said, that's not going to last. Listen to him, okay? Tony, get off it, okay? First of all, you're intruding on your play-by-play man, Jim Nance, who's just trying to give us a see. We like to watch the game, Okay. And you're not going to be a hit. Here's a memo to all of you people who, oh, this is great. Uh Uh-uh. It's not going to happen. And the further, the more years you spend away from the league, you're going to know less and less about the personnel that's out on the field. So I'm blowing a stop the hype, okay, right now. (laughs) Uncle Brent saw it five-plus years ago. My biggest frustration with Romo in this game on Sunday was that as it came down to it in the final several minutes, Chiefs are driving, the Bengals are driving, Romo would see a play and then he would feel obligated or obsessed with giving us, the viewer, some sort of coaching tape breakdown of was it cover two, cover three, quarters, was it shell? Was it cloud? All these other things. Nobody gives a shit. In the final six minutes, all anyone wants, I think, all that I want, is I want Tony Romo to focus on tactics and strategy and options. Tactics, strategy, options. Are we running? Are we throwing? Where are we running? Where are we throwing? Wins a timeout. What are you looking ahead to? Like, look, if we can just get a field goal, I think we're good. Or, you know what? There's so much time left. We need to score a touchdown because let's say the other team can come back and kick a field goal to beat us. Whatever the case may be, tactics, strategy, options. That's it. None of this coaching stuff and, you know, what kind of esoteric coverage and, for God's sakes, organize your thoughts before running out with them. Slow down. For God's sakes. I think I'm not the only one who is finally coming around on this. Many have already said, I've been here. Welcome home, Zabe. I've been on this square for some time. But boy, did he make a lot of money by being different. And he made a lot of money for a lot of other guys. Notably, Aikman and Collinsworth. And soon to be Tom Brady is going to make a shitload of money. $350,000 $350,000 or about 350, I say <laughs> 350,000. <laughs> oh God. Uh, let me just look this up here. Uh, Tom Brady Fox contract. I think it's 350. Holy shit. It's $375 million for Tom Brady. <laughs> Nobody knows 
if he's going to be any good whatsoever. It's the Romo effect. Romo was the shock to the system that got all these networks going, oh, we got to get our own Romo. Well, the original Romo is not only not that good anymore, maybe he's never been good. Is it possible that Tony Romo is the broadcasting Dane Cook? Yes, that Dane Cook, the comedian. Dane Cook was the single most popular stand-up comic of the late MySpace to early Facebook era, and he was the most popular by a wide margin. He played sold-out stadium tours across the country. Two of his albums, Retaliation, an isolated incident, cracked the top five on the Billboard 200. He starred in middling movies like Employee of the Month and Good Luck Chuck, where he played the romantic lead opposite Jessica Simpson and Jessica Alba, respectively. His, he on-screen dated both of the Jessicas. Imagine that. Flash forward, writes Cracked.com, to 2022, and Dane Cook's last special, Troublemaker, was released eight years ago to a muted response. So 2014 was his last special, and it bombed. He has not landed a lead role since his 2019 straight-to-DVD crime thriller, American Exit. He has weird Instagram relationships with girls 28 years his junior. His meteoric rise was followed by a swift plummeting out of the public eye, which begs the question, what the heck happened? The thing is, nobody connected, writes Cracked.com, with young people the way that Dane did. He updated his MySpace page constantly with pictures of posts of it from his tours. He passed out his AIM handle freely and invited fans to chat whenever... By the way, I'm talking about things that are from 2006, so that is damn near 20 years ago almost. If you're an 18-year-old listening now, you have no idea any of this shit. It was early pre-social media stuff. He would spend up to three hours after every show signing autographs, taking pictures, shaking hands, making personal connections, campaigning, and his constituents loved him for it. The rest of the comedy world, though, was not quite as enamored by the V-neck-wearing yoked comedian who dominated the public sphere. His reputation and credibility came under political or public attacks from Joe Rogan, who claimed that Cook had stolen material from both him and from Louis C.K. He was not particularly funny. Stunningly so. Here, you don't believe me? You never heard Dane Cook? Dane Cook was all energy and attitude. And yeah. All right. Yeah. And if you bothered to sit there and listen, you're like, he's not making any sense. This is not even funny. Here was Dane Cook on Bees. There's certain ways that people, when they bite it and they show it on the news, you laugh. Like when, when like, how do you, who gets killed by bees? Anytime they come on the news, they're like, oh, yeah, a man was uh, in Austin killed by bees. I just fucking laugh. How do you get killed by bees? If you're walking through the woods, right, and, and you come near a bush and you hear, just, you know, run away from that bush. Who's going near that bush going, hey, is that, is that bees? Hold on one second. Oh, Jesus. 
Dude, fuck that. I would punch every bee in the face. Bees are not taking me out. I'd be like, yeah, fuck you, bee. All right, bee, come on. Yeah, Where's the next bee at? It's a fucking bee. I can understand if it was like killer horses. That's scary shit. Flying through the air, kicking you in the face. That's scary. Fuck bees. I mean, wow. Not funny. But people were laughing because they're like, well, we paid to go see this guy. We should probably laugh, right? Comedy usually involves comedians saying something that you have to realize, yeah, he's right. That's true. And I never thought of it that way. And yes, that is funny. None of that applied in that particular standup. And it was several hours of this. And he was the biggest comedian going. Sold out stadiums. Why? How? It's a case study, to be sure. He connected with his audience. Romo connected in a way that was unusual, that was likable. He could predict the plays. Although, Brent said, that too shall pass. They were doing fake Dane Cook mocking videos on other TV shows once people started to realize this guy's not funny. Funny man, Dane Cook. Why do they call bananas bananas? Shouldn't they be called bananas because they're fun and they're full of deliciousness? Isn't that the, isn't the point of the banana? That's why I eat a banana. Whoa. You know, you know that one guy that hangs out with your group of friends and he's always carrying a ladder? He's always got a ladder with him, you know? And you're like, dude, why do you have a ladder? He's like, because I want to be taller than you. Now step off. I'm laughing because it's so stupidly not funny. It's kind of funny because it's hard. it would be hard to distinguish the fake Dane Cook material from the real Dane Cook. So I don't know. Maybe Romo can trim it up. Maybe he can get better. It's going to be hard for me now, though, because the more I listen, the more I see, and the more I realize, God, I, I, I think I fell for it. I think I fell for it. If 2024 is the year you're jetting off to a new country or even just want to expand your language skills beyond English, then I urge you to check out Rosetta Stone today. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program for over 30 years. Why? Because it works. Instead of drilling vocabulary words, with Rosetta Stone you learn by matching audio from native speakers to visuals, reading stories, participating in dialogues, and other practical language skills that fast-track your ability to communicate fluently. Not only is it a more effective way to learn, it's more fun. Rosetta Stone's advanced voice recognition technology gives you feedback on how well you pronounce words. Other language learning apps use speech recognition to detect what you said. Rosetta Stone tells you how well you said it. Rosetta Stone offers 25 languages with lessons available on your computer, phone, or tablet. And with a lifetime membership, you get forever access to all the lessons for all the languages and never pay a renewal fee. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, ZabeCast listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. 
Make March Madness a moneymaker with MyBookie. Getting started is easy. Visit MyBookie online and use promo code ZABE to receive a deposit bonus up to $1,000. Grab your extra funds now and for a limited time, claim a free entry into the $150,000 MyBookie Madness Bracket Contest for a chance at the big money. If you're the type of guy who likes to fill out multiple brackets to get an advantage, you can do that too. The price of entry is less than an Uber, all for a shot at life-changing amounts of moolah. With so many brands to choose from, you need a platform that makes it simple to bet and simple to win and simple to get paid, like MyBookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. All right, let's talk about some of the game's biggest calls with my man Ron Taylor. So to me, if you get to inches... Kansas City has challenged the ruling on the field that the runner did not make the line of the game. The previous play is under review. But it's risky because if you lose the challenge, you're down to one timeout. Defense number 20, five-yard penalty, automatic first down. Oh, my goodness. This is so incredibly crazy right there what just happened you got an extra play you end up getting the sacks you stop him twice but eli apple has the tough assignment because that's the only guy you really can go to on the outside but he holds him right there jim that's a good call you can imagine how this is being received up in cincinnati Somebody's got to keep the law out there. And for more on the calls that were made and perhaps not made over the championship weekend, my friend Ron Taylor joins us now, former MEAC official, retired 2014, once trained under the great ladies' man himself. Hello, Ronald. How you doing, my friend? <laughs> I'm doing well, Zay. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing good. Hey, I, I hear the uh, the ladies' man's son is on the verge of being an NFL yes. official. You told me that, did you not? Yes, I did. The, I think he is uh, an up-and-comer. The great Jerome Boger, of course, being the ladies' man who uh, refed in the MIAC and supervised and uh, helped uh, mentor Ron along the way. Always good to talk to a guy who's actually been out there and done it. And let me preface all this talk with, I'm amazed at how good the guys are in the NFL. The guys and the gals now in the mm-hmm. NFL. I'm amazed at how good they are. They get so many things dead right. I think it's outstanding. I think replay has made it a lot more difficult for them. I think our expectations as fans has made it more difficult for them. But for the most part, they do a fantastic job. However, I'm not so sure Sunday was their most shining moment. What did you think of the Chiefs-Bengals game? I don't even know if there's anything to talk about in the first game of note to you. Well, I think one other thing that's made it more difficult for them are the rules. Yes, and, the rules. The rules. <laughs> Remember, the difference, a big difference between college and NFL is NFL has this uh, illegal contact rule where receivers can't be hit or touched or obstructed past five yards even when they're not in in a play. Mm-hmm. That's what gets a lot of these cornerbacks and defense, defensive backs more often than anything. It's not the play as the ball is going is headed there. That's what happens before the ball gets there. They can't touch these guys. That's when you know when you see these receivers doing all this damn dancing downfield, it's like what, what are you dancing about? Those big 
guys have been protecting your quarterback. He got punched in the mouth. He threw a pass. Nobody could touch you. All you have to do is catch the ball. What are you dancing for? Yeah. No, I agree. So, I've, I've had advocated for a long time, as you probably know, listening to me, is that uh, the rule book has got to keep getting pared down. It's too complicated. Wherever you can simplify, true. they should in the NFL. And they've done some things, like, for example, on the old force-out rule on receivers. Oh, they got rid of that? Well, that's made it easier because – Yes, in that's good. That's what I mean, though. That like yeah. they need to do more of that. Like they also yeah. got rid of the uh, pushing a ball carrier rule, which right. I think was a good idea. But holy shit, some of these teams, like the Eagles, have now mm-hmm. basically perfected it where they never get stopped on fourth and one. Right, but now they've added this craziness, like uh, blocking someone running back towards the ball and oh, can't, you know those old blindside hits that we used to relish you know those are, right those that's a foul even during kickoffs even if you don't even light the guy up the right even right. If you don't light the guy up if you just turn against the flow of the play and impede a guy I've seen that called, so that makes it more complicated. The one thing from the early game, then we'll get to all the big enchilada there in the uh, Chiefs-Bengals game, but the one thing in the early game that I was looking at today was Lane Johnson. His get-off, Ron, is so good, so quick, and Brian Baldinger on Twitter was going through these plays one by one, that he's actually moving before the ball is moving from the center, And I'm thinking, but if Lane Johnson can hear Jalen Hurts say hut hut and do the snap and he moves before the ball, is that a false start? Like, in other words, what's the true snap? Is it the vocalization by the QB or is it the ball actually moving? It's the ball actually moving. So if anyone on offense moves before that ball moves, it's supposed to be. False start. Well, it looked to me then like Lane Johnson had three false starts that were not called. Right. And sometimes it's 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 a tough one to see because <laughs> as an official, you have to see him and the ball at the same time. Right. And and what are you looking at when you're looking down the line? So yeah, it's it's a tough one to call. So let's go back to the early game. The the early game there was the, the big play was the catch. Yes. That was not um that was not uh Yeah, Devont- Devontae Smith. Yes. And it was an article talking about the NFL's wonderful new system of seeing these plays and getting a word to the officials so they can hold the game up. But unfortunately, <laughs> for this play, it was not used. And, I know. And my brain was saying, Zay's got to be on. <laughs> Here's the technology. We we spent millions of dollars for it, and we have it, and it's ready to go. Oh, we forgot to use it. <laughs> it's like, really? Yes, the so-called expedited review, which I'm not against. They say that the use of it has allowed them to shave almost four minutes off the game. So I'm in favor yeah. of that. But as we we saw, it's inconsistent. And I like to call the guy, whoever the guy is deciding on the expedited review, meaning the mm-hmm. we should probably look at this for a second without requiring the team to challenge it. I call right. that the hold up ref. 
He's the guy that says, hold up, hold up. Like a catch like that was so bonkers, crazy good. You had to instinctively go, hold up, hold up. Did he really catch that? Because I'm dubious, right? That's what they should have done. But Kyle Shanahan's a moron because he should have called timeout. And why the hell do you think a receiver is jumping up and telling his team, let's hurry up, hurry up? Why would you do that? Other than he knows he didn't catch the damn ball. Right. First first quarter run, first and goal, and you're going to suddenly run hurry up? Really? Right. Okay. Right. So and when has yeah. the receiver ever told his team to hurry up and snap the ball? That's not his job. He knows he's getting away with something. And so you're right. San Francisco's coach is supposed to be watching this. It's the biggest game of the year. Uh, use your talents. This is an important deal. So yeah. it was a failure on both parts. And they got away with one. You know, it's, it's going to happen. But all these processes are in place. But your intro was correct. I think this is the best of the best. And for the most part, they're not making mistakes. They're calling it based on the rules. And as long as the rules are there, it says this is holding, this is contact, uh, this is a late hit, most of those guys are going to see it. So it's going to get called, unfortunately. Yeah. So here's here's some interesting ones from the Chiefs-Bengals game. The first interesting one was on the MVS first down reach. I learned for the first time ever, Ron, that there is no such thing as breaking the plane of the first down line that a runner, if he voluntarily pulls the ball back, that you don't get that progress unless, and here's the big asterisk, the referee determines that it's because you are being tackled in the process and your overall forward progress has stopped. On that particular call, I think it was 50-50. What do you think? Yeah, I think it was 50-50, and... According to the rules, when progress is stopped, the ball is dead. So if the ball is dead, how can you reach the ball out? And if you reach the ball out, are you still fighting for yards? And so the ball isn't dead. Right. He brought it back because. Yeah, he brought it back because he kind of knew he wasn't quite down yet and didn't want to have the ball slapped out of his hand. So you could argue that technically, well, he should have been not awarded that extra yardage, but instead uh, they got the call on that. On the, because he should have been, yeah, he should have been, he should have been down with the ball sticking out. Once he pulled the ball back, he should have lost that yardage. Exactly. So that one was very interesting. I, I didn't, I never knew that you can't break the plane of the first down. It's not like the end zone. You have to. Well, the uh, thing is, when when you break the plane of the end zone the ball becomes immediately dead. Right. When you're in the middle of the field sticking the ball out, does not kill the ball. That's and a good if point. If I was his coach and he had fumbled that damn ball, <laughs> I would have <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay, uh, the the extra bonus down or the do-over. Oh, uh, Lord. Yeah, so the, uh, the, the, the field judge – and I won't name him because there's no need to use names, but the field judge ran in to try to kill the play because on a restart, they had to readjust the spot of the ball because these centers have been moving the ball after it's been placed, and that was a point of emphasis. They told the referees, hey, you need to clean this up. So they had to go in, respot the ball, and then do a restart 
of the clock at 10 seconds and they then restarted the game clock and the play clock and it was off an incomplete pass so the game clock should not have been running only the field judge noticed that and ran in from the back corner to try to stop the play, but he was too little too late. It was too loud. Nobody saw him or heard him, and they huddled up to talk about it and determined, hey, if anyone on the crew calls a play dead, whether anyone else hears it or not, the mechanic is to do the play over because, in theory, one player could have heard the whistle. Now, I understand the explanation, Ron. I just have never seen that before. Have you? Right. And, it, and I think in reality, now, I was watching the game, I think, at that point, bouncing back and forth. So I was watching the game sort of in real time via DVR. So when that happened, I had to back it up and look at it again because it all happened so quickly. So I went back to the end of the second down to look at it again. So in effect, the third, the first third down play didn't really happen, but TV didn't know that, so they stayed with it as if it was a third down play. But that play was dead; the ball was dead, so that play never really happened. But but, but you the, can't stop the players. Well, so, right, but the players played it as if it was a real play, and they yeah, actually they left, know. and they left the field as mm-hmm. if it was a real play. And I'm just trying to rack my brain as to ever having seen a, a, a play in which they bring the units back on the field because nobody literally knew it wasn't a play. That seems well, it's sort of like, crazy. It's sort of like if you have a false start and nobody hears it and the officials are trying to stop it, but because no one hears it, they still execute the play and somebody gets hurt. <laughs> Yeah, and, and you know, because you didn't. So the play should have been. Well, the field judge was actually shutting the play down. Right. So he did actually shut the play down. So the third down play, although the players ran a play, the ball wasn't live. Right. But when you say he shut it down, all he did was he ran on the field, waved his arms once or twice, and then stopped. The players didn't see or respond because it was so loud, and they ran the play as they thought it was a live play. Yes. So, it, yeah, it was a very technical thing, and yeah. I'm sure from a rule book perspective, it was up mm-hmm. to muster. I just have never seen it. It's also a terrible look. And then, of yeah. course, the Eli Apple PI on the or the illegal contact on the next play just seemed kind of unfair. On the Mahomes scramble, a lot of people are saying there looked like there was a big-time hold on Hendrickson. Did you agree? Uh, I don't know. Um, I think potentially. I think the, the, the two issues with that whole um, sequence was they never should have let him run that damn kickback so far. Yeah. And, and then, look, the guy's running, you're running. You have to know when he touches that sideline, you can't hit him. This is not new. This this has been happening. You not you can't hit a quarterback when he hits that sideline. Plain and simple. Whether it's the first game of the season or the championship game, you just can't do it. You're going to get flagged for that. There's yeah. no way in the world they could not have flagged him for that. As I saw it, though, it was the same field judge that threw the flag on that. 
And I'm wondering, did anyone else throw a flag? And if it had been a really egregious personal foul, would there have been a rain of flags? That no, there come were in? two of them. There were, okay. There were two of them. Both guys on that sideline okay. threw their flag. Because, okay. I mean, they both are watching. And he, it wasn't even one foot. He stepped, he stepped on the sideline with two feet. It wasn't even close. Well, okay. See, this is where I feel like it's a bad way to end the game, even though maybe technically correct, because they had been in let them play mode on holds, on the potential block in the back. That was on the punt return. Uh, at least they were let them play in favor of the Chiefs. They were very letter of the law against the Bengals. For example, people are making a big deal, Ron, about the intentional grounding, saying that basically Mahomes had a virtually identical play right before the scramble that set up the game-winning field goal. Did you see that comparison? Yeah, but there's so many there's so many variables to intentional grounding. Like where's the player? Where is, is there a receiver in the area? Because if there had been any eligible receiver in the middle of the line when Burrow threw that ball, they would let it go. Mahomes, I think the running back was he right threw it in the middle. He threw it to Kelsey five yards yeah. short, and yeah. I would say that uh, P. Ryan was about five yards short as well, but it was yeah. in the middle of a of a sort of a scrum. Uh, the one from right. Mahomes looked a little bit less egregious, but Mahomes is crafty like that. He's very good at doing that yeah. stuff. So, yeah. yeah. And it's always um, – we have this Washington quarterback guy hit at the end of the game and just like fell like the earth rose up <laughs> and he got a rough in the passing penalty. I mean, sometimes you play on the emotion of, of, of officials. What are they seeing? And, you know, it's just like a soccer flop. You got to sell it. <laughs> right. some, some of them sell it better than others. Right. That was uh, Heineke got up and pumped his fist after drawing a roughing call yeah. against the Eagles. And ironically enough, Travis Kelsey, this is Rich, said he turned off his TV when he saw (laughs) (laughs) that move. And I'm thinking, okay, well, your own quarterback really sold it on the push out of bounds. So I don't know. Maybe you should just go quietly, but still. Uh, It's, yeah, it's high stakes stuff. And and these guys and and yells. Yeah. Once he saw that, once he felt that feather. Touch his back. Oh, yeah. He flopped like he wouldn't believe it. <laughs> Goddamn. Russell Wilson used to be so good at that. And oh, maybe man. maybe he still is. Cam would do it a lot. Again, I understand it's smart tactics, but uh, it's just, I don't know, it's so infuriating. You and I are old enough, Ron, to remember when quarterbacks weren't treated as such fainting daisies, you know, and they were football oh, yeah. players. Fair fucking yeah. game out there. And remember when you would sep- you could separate a receiver from the ball. You try that now. Oh, you, I mean, God, you yeah. Throw out the damn game. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, exactly. All right. So, uh, generally speaking, uh, your thoughts on NFL officiating and where it's at now with replay and this expedited replay and how the postseason well, is gone and everything else. Personally, I think they, you know, I, and I think I, I emailed you about this in the last month or so. There are times when I think these officials should see stuff that they're just not seeing. And it's just a matter of, you know, if you officiated back in the day, 
before there was replay, how much of this stuff did you let go? You know, these catches that you should see and you're not seeing and waiting for a replay to fix it. And then a, a coach has to use a challenge because of a basic play. You got seven guys out there. There's things that they should be seeing when they're in position. You know, let's just translate this to this basketball game without Whitey Whitey Brown brought. <laughs> I mean, it's three guys. They should have seen it. What the hell were they looking at? I that you know? <laughs> that baffles me because to me and I don't know if you did you do any uh, basketball back in the day? Not on a professional level, just that okay. just in yeah. games, but it's a lot to look at. I, it's but a lot to look them. at, but in that case, they're the best in the world, or so they say. I know they're the best yep. in the world, and the play is at the rim. That like that right. one guy right. has to be honed in on that and right. has to be able to see it, but you know. If there's 10 guys out there, if you don't look at anybody, you should be looking at the guy shooting and the guy defending him. <laughs> exactly. Oh, God, exactly. So, All right, do you miss reffing? Do you miss reffing? I miss being on the field. You know, I, I still look at I still look at the game as an official, and I expect them to do well. Um, I don't miss the crazy things that they have to deal with with these rules. The rules have put them in crazy positions. They have to call this stuff because the rules say so. But, you know, if you're an old school official, I think some of that stuff you look at, it's like, why the hell I have to call this? It's supposed to be football. (laughs) Let them hit each other. (laughs) I agree. Got to call it. All right, Ron. Good to catch up with you, brother. Take care, and we'll talk soon. Thank you, bud. Gotta play golf. There you go. Let's go. Let's go tee it up. All right, buddy. All right. <laughs> Ron Taylor, former MIAC official, trained under the great Jerome Boger. The ladies' man. We'll end on this. I got a lot of feedback from people about my opening rant yesterday monologue, whatever you want to call it, discussion about the calls and the Mahomes personal foul or the unnecessary roughness, I guess. Most of you people said, I can't believe you had that take. It's so obviously a bad call. It's so obviously a correct call. How could you say it's a bad call? Uh, Some did agree, not many, but most did not. This email I think is representative Eric Dreyer, Eric from Muskego, Wisconsin, says, Steez, I too can't stand replay, and I am not what you would call a fairy, where everything has to be fair. But I also think the Mahomes personal foul flag was the right call. While listening to your podcast today, I was shocked, shocked to hear your thoughts on the LeBron no call at the end of the game. That play and the Mahomes play are very similar. Yet you think King James should get the call, but the biracial unicorn should not? They both should have been called. This Make this make sense to me. You're always a good listen, Eric and Muskego. Okay, I'm going to try to make this make sense to you. And it goes as follows. There are rules in every sport that are not always applied to the letter of the law in all situations. Because the rules may be low-level rules that border on the administrative 
that are not rules designed to keep the game from turning into a farce. So therefore, those rules don't have as high a priority as rules that are really important. You with me so far? For example, in the NBA, a shooting foul is the highest leverage call, the highest importance call an official can make. A guy's shooting to score a basket and he has been contacted illegally, which can affect the ability to make the basket. There's not much higher than that. Of course, there's not a lot of calls to be made in basketball compared to football. It's a much smaller rule book, simpler game. Meanwhile, there's another rule in the NBA that says you cannot step over the end line on an uncontested throw-in 94 feet from the basket. Players have gotten over the years kind of lazy with that. They hop one foot out of bounds. Sometimes they step inbounds. And because it's an uncontested inbound after a made basket and the other team is not pressing, so they start running the other way, nobody really gives a shit. They don't sit there with a, you know, uh, hands on their knees like, oh, did you step over the line? And that's how it can be in football as well. There's higher priority calls that really affect the outcome of games. For example, pass interference or holding are the two highest leverage and most subjective and most debated calls in the game. They often make or break big plays, positive or negative. Pass interference is the number one play in terms of potential yardage gained on a single call. Also, personal fouls or unnecessary roughness is a big one. That's 15 yards, too many yards in my opinion. Holding is 10. These are major big-time calls, and they are there to help prevent the game from disintegrating into chaos and lawlessness. Can't hold guys. You can't interfere with dudes trying to make a catch and, you know, that kind of stuff. But they're very subjective. Meanwhile, the call of unnecessary roughness is a low leverage call. It's one that has been put in to prevent mayhem from taking over when it comes to just fights on the field. It was once something that it was only used for egregious acts intended to injure or other players, like ripping off a helmet or throwing punches or body slamming a defenseless, defenseless runner or player to the ground, spearing, clotheslining, like really severe violent stuff. And the call doesn't normally result in points for the other team, so its impact is often very low. It's a penalty meant for administration of the game, not to ensure legal action and fair play. Yet now the NFL has hyper-weaponized it. They've done this to try to keep their QBs healthy. It has not worked. Patrick Mahomes limping around on one bad leg was hurt because he got tackled in the run of play. The Niners went through every one of their quarterbacks, all four, and were flat out by the time they come to the end of the line and a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Not because anyone pushed somebody as they are going out of bounds. Because of, well, they play football. So it's very frustrating that you have an administrative low-level rule that has been weaponized by the league in a futile attempt to minimize injuries to the quarterback and to have a mere one-arm push on the boundary basically determine the game. This unnecessary roughness call, with just eight seconds left in a tie game in the AFC Championship game, took a 60-yard field goal, which was basically unmakeable in those conditions, and turned it into a 45-yarder, which was makeable, and credit to Butker for making it. Low leverage rule 
that was put into a high leverage situation just because, well, you can't not call that. Well, sure you cannot call it. Just like they didn't call the hold on Trey Hedrickson. Just like they didn't call the block in the back and the punt return. There's a lot of things you can just not call. Why do you have to call a borderline right on the edge? And it was a football play. That's the other thing too. Unnecessary roughness. Pushing a guy who's one foot out of bounds is not truly unnecessary roughness. It's a football play. He's chasing, chasing, chasing. But it's called that and people have been conditioned. You've been conditioned. I've been conditioned to be these Karens for the league to go, oh, you can't do that. It should not have been called in that spot. It wasn't called on a similar, well, technically that should have been called, hit on Joe Burrow in the end zone. How can you not call that? Like the arguments from my colleagues like Mike Heller are, you call it in the first quarter, you call it in the last eight seconds of the game. Oh, really, Mike? Well, why didn't they call it against Burrow or for Burrow against Clark? Crickets. They don't want you to bring that up. Applied totally inconsistently. So if it's going to be uh, applied inconsistently, and if it's a rule that's not meant to prevent getting a huge advantage in the game, which it's not, it's it's an administrative and conduct-related foul, don't fucking call it with the game on the line. What's wrong with you? Here's a good comparison, I think. In baseball, there's a thing called a balk. You probably know about it being a baseball fan. What is a balk? Good question. Hold that thought. I actually Googled what is the purpose of a balk in baseball. And it's meant to prevent the pitcher from conducting or from executing a deceptive mood move, deceptive move to trick the runner. And so that's why if there's runners on base and the pitcher is deemed to have executed a deceptive move meant to trick the runner to get him out on the base paths, that's a balk and the runners are given the next base. So would you then, with the bases loaded in game seven of the ALCS, call a balk on a pitcher? Because technically it's correct. None of the runners are running, bases loaded. So why would you do that? You you hopefully wouldn't unless it was super duper egregious. So after I looked up what's the point of a balk, I then looked up the different kinds of balks there are. And I mean, it is complicated. We're talking like 13 different ways a pitcher can commit a balk in baseball. Apparently catchers can also cause a balk by not being in the catcher's box. If there is a catcher's box drawn in chalk, which there often is not sometimes in low-level amateur baseball, that can be a balk. Are you going to call that? Would you call in game seven of the NBA in a tie game a technical foul on the head coach because he is out on the court during the run of play? You could. It's a rule. How do you not call that? That's the point I'm trying to make. This was too big a moment. The play was too borderline. It was not an intentional, egregious, oh my God, he's trying to kill Patrick Mahomes act. And they had let a bunch of other shit go already. 
That's why I'm so opposed to that call being made because it gave the Chiefs a chance to win the game. That's the best I can do, and that's I'm going to leave it at that. And uh, you're welcome to send me your emails, agreeing, disagreeing, or going, okay, I get it. I get your point now. Or, ah, that's a stupid analogy. Makes no sense. A balk versus a roughing penalty trying to kill Patrick Mahomes? Finally, the end is near. That's right. Maybe. Let's put a we'll see on this. Monday, President Biden finally said that he would end officially the government's COVID-19 emergency declaration. Wow, that only took almost three full years. Oh, no, no, no. Not yet. (laughs) No, no, of course not. The government's not just going to end it now. Biden said he would end the emergency declarations on May 11th. How do you know the pandemic's going to end in several months? There might be a surge. What's happening with our winter of death and illness? It's getting worse. Could there be a spring of death and illness? I mean, what a fucking joke. And anyone with a brain knows why they kept this going as long as they could. You keep that emergency declaration in place. Oh, who knows the kind of things you can uncork. Regulations, money, appropriations for this, that, and the other. It's the best thing going for government. (laughs) Biden will finally end COVID-19 emergency declarations on May 11th of 2023. So that, I guess, will be the official end. I remember early on, I had to go look for this by date in my big folder of sound bites. I was doing production stuff for the pandemic when it first started. And I found this clip from the office, Dwight Schrute, and I would play it and we would laugh like, yeah, yeah, I bet this thing will go on forever. It could go on for a year. <laughs> You're sure this day will come. Yes. It's just a matter of time. Could be one month. Could be two months. Three months. Could be. Four months. I can see that happening. Yes. Eight months. That's a realistic timeline. <laughs> Eleven months. Perhaps. Okay, wait. Now really think hard about this one. One year. I could see that as a very real possibility. (laughs) Still hit the over. Oh, how I yearn for the days of early March 2020 when Dr. Anthony Fauci was actually speaking some degree of common sense. I think if you're a healthy young person that there is no reason if you want to go on a cruise ship to go on a cruise ship. Personally, I would never go on a cruise ship because I don't like cruises. But... Uh, that's another story, uh, but the fact the fact is that would, if if you have if you have the conditions that I've been speaking about over and over again to this group, namely an individual who has an underlying condition, particularly an elderly person that has underlying condition, I would recommend strongly that they do not go on a cruise ship. There you go, solid, rational, reasonable, evidence based advice. That Anthony Fauci died a long time ago. May 11th, mark your calendar. Hallelujah. Maybe. Thanks for listening, everybody. 
If you like this podcast, tell a friend or two. Rate and review. Please, the algorithmic overlords. If you would like to get it five days a week, not just four, including the absolutely scintillating Scott and Solly podcast on Fridays. That's right. The gang is back together one day a week for a fun romp. It's a good show. Then subscribe by going to zabe.com slash premium. It's five whole dollars a month. It could break your family's finances, I know. Sign up for a year, you get 12 months for the price of 11. Cancel anytime. That's how I roll. Thank you for your support. Have yourselves a great Tuesday, everybody, and we will see you next time. Make March Madness a moneymaker with MyBookie. Getting started is easy. Visit MyBookie online and use promo code ZABE to receive a deposit bonus up to $1,000. Grab your extra funds now and for a limited time, claim a free entry into the $150,000 MyBookie Madness Bracket Contest for a chance at the big money. If you're the type of guy who likes to fill out multiple brackets to get an advantage, you can do that too. The price of entry is less than an Uber, all for a shot at life-changing amounts of moolah. With so many brands to choose from, you need a platform that makes it simple to bet and simple to win and simple to get paid, like my bookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie.